The Beauty Biz, brought to you by serial entrepreneur and aesthetic clinic chain founder, Esther Fieldgrass, your regular insider peek into the beauty and wellness industry. Hi everyone, Esther Fieldgrass here. Thanks for joining me and welcome to The Beauty Biz, your insight into the world of health, beauty and well-being. This week, I am so happy to be introducing to you our newest member of the EF Medispa surgical team, Dr. Christopher Johnson. I've known Christopher for nearly eight years now, and I've always wanted to work with him. So I'm thrilled he is finally with us at our Kensington Clinic. He is a leading plastic surgeon specialising in many areas, but particularly in liposuction. So, Christopher, without further ado, tell us a little bit about your background and what you're specialising in today. Well, thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to be here and share some of my aesthetic plastic surgery experience with all of your listeners. Well, I was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. That's where I did my three-year plastic surgery training. It was with Professor Ivo Pitangui, which is a world-famous plastic surgeon. Before that, I had to do six years of med school and then two years of general surgery. Um, what I mostly specialize in, as you said, vasor liposuction, um, fat grafting as well. So that would be considered a liposculpture, where we take fat from some areas of the body and place it in others, mainly the, the buttocks. Um, but I also do a lot of breast surgeries, breast lift, bre breast reductions, augmentations as well, um, tummy tucks, eyelid surgery, and facelift surgery. I believe you actually studied some of your facial work with uh, Dr. Daniel Baker? Yes, exactly. After I finished with Ivo Pitangui, my training, I've been in New York with Daniel Baker, which is also a very famous um, facial plastic surgeon, and also in California sometime with Dr. Bruce Connell, which is another icon in the, in the industry. So you're my all-round man, huh? <laughs> so what areas of the body can you do lipo on? Well, we could practically do lipo in many, many areas, starting all the way from the neck, um, the arms, the upper back, the mid-back, the lower back, um, flanks, inner thighs, outer thighs, the knees, all the way down to the calves and the ankles. So the lipo that we're doing at EF Medispa is actually the vasor lipo. How is that different to traditional liposuction? Well, phaser lipo is, is based on an ultrasound device. It's a very, very good um, type of machine that we use. Um, I did my training with Dr. Alfredo Hoyos, which is a world famous as well. He's from Colombia. He's one of the, the plastic surgeons who devised this new technique. We can even do like high-definition sculpting. And what it does, it heats up the skin from inside a little bit, so the skin actually retracts, so we have better results than the traditional liposuction. And are you doing fat transfer with that procedure? Yes, we do a lot of fat transfer as well. The fat, for me, is the best way to enhance the buttocks, actually make them um, more harmonious and looking rounder. And usually it's not to increase the size of the buttocks. These artificial-looking buttocks that we see nowadays, sometimes in TV or Instagram, I don't like those types of results. So what my clients look for is something natural that enhances and gives them more curves, but always looking good. Okay, that's fantastic. But I know with you, Chris, that you don't actually like doing fat transfer to the breast. Why is that? Yeah, um, for now, I don't think it's that safe yet because um, when we transfer fat from any part of the body to the breast, some of that fat may calcify. 
And by calcifying, it could um, mislead the patient or another doctor who's going to do, example, a, a breast mammogram. If we see calcifications, that could be a sign that there is a, a potential cancer in that breast. So we'll never know it if it's due to the fat that we put there or if it's actually a, a cancer that could be growing. Okay. So... Um People that come in that, that want to do this, what you recommend them to actually have an implant instead? Yeah, I think so. Uh, in the first place, the fat, I don't think it actually substitutes an implant because the fat is something that's much softer. With implants nowadays, we can have very, very natural results anyways, and the implants are, are getting safer and safer in terms of use and the durability as well. So the fat would be something just maybe to complement the, the implants. I'm looking into this device that's called um, pure fat, pure graft, sorry. That may purify the fat to a level where we might not have calcifications. So there's a light and the end of the tunnel. Maybe we might um, start doing fat grafts in the next months, but I think it's always important to, to be very safe and only use procedures once they're checked and safe to do. Okay. So we get a lot of um, what I call skinny ladies coming in and wanting to use their own fat. And then we get a lot of, I would say, overweight ladies coming in where they want liposuction. Who would you select for these different treatments? Can anybody have surgery? What is your recommendations? What do you consider is right for surgery or who is right for surgery? Yes, I think it's important that patients um, have, first of all, a healthy lifestyle. That means maybe working out at least two times a week, having a healthy um, diet, um, because plastic surgery is not something, imagine someone's overweight, it's not a procedure to make them thin. It could obviously complement, but the ideal result is when a patient works out and has a healthy diet, and then they'll um, be able to keep up the, the results of the plastic surgery. Um, instead of, imagine having a liposuction, removing a lot of fat, and then they have a poor lifestyle and, and a poor diet, and in one year, they'll simply get fat again. So that's not our objective. Okay. So what is a realistic expectation when people are coming in for surgery? What should they be expecting to see at the end of the surgery? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's something that I like to discuss a lot on the first consultation because it's very, very important that I understand what the patient's expectations are and if I'll be able to deliver. Um, that's, you know, paramount. Because if I think their expectations are far from reality, I won't operate on them because for sure they'll be um, not happy with the results. So today with Instagram and TV and all these things that we see, um, it's easy sometimes for patients to be, you know, not realistic because Instagram, you could um, manipulate the photos. So a lot of what you see is not true. Even for, for celebrities or these reality TV stars, um, what you see in Instagram does not reflect real life. So I have to actually tell them to be more realistic and not expect something like a very, very thin waist or a very large butt because that won't happen. So how do you actually end up selecting people for surgery? Can you talk me through what a normal procedure is about your consultation, etc.? Sure. And the normal procedure was would be um, in consultation, you know, understand what they want, what they expect. 
Imagine, for example, a, a breast augmentation. I'd like to see photos of what that person thinks would be a good result. And then in that way, I can translate that to maybe the size of the implant that would be ideal for her. I don't like to go too much on the bra cup size because a lot of women, I notice, that they use the wrong size bra. Actually, they use the size of the bra for the breast that they would like to have because today the bras, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Today the bras have a lot of fillers in them. So usually they use oversized bras for the size of the breast that they want. So I always like to see them with their bra on and then I can imagine um, how much I need to put in just to fill up the bra that they have. But obviously they won't have to use the bra with the fillers afterwards anyways. Wow, that's going to be yeah. expensive in the lingerie shop. <laughs> um, how painful is it to have these procedures? I mean, I know my girlfriend came to you last week and she had uh, lipo, and she had a tummy tuck and then she had the fat put in her buttocks yeah. and she stayed with me. Okay. So <laughs> right after surgery she came to stay with me so I looked after her and within two days she was up and walking around no painkillers nothing which yeah. I thought was amazing. More so no bruising. She didn't have any bruising. I said my god this man's a miracle worker. <laughs> no bruises on the body Good. at all. But is that normal? Yes, with, with um, the Vaser machine, we can expect that. It's much less traumatic on the patient than the traditional liposuction. Obviously, there's some of her genetics, you know, and some people bruise a little bit more than others. But obviously, with proper technique as well, we can reduce the, the pain. But what I observe from what patients tell me is that actually they don't complain that much of pain. Some don't even take painkillers, as, as you said, your friend did not. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And I, I think the worst thing for her, and I'm going to talk about this now, was the constipation. She said the constipation after the surgery was more painful than the actual physical surgery. Okay. Yeah, that can be expected for a few reasons. First, um, patients are fasting maybe for 12 hours before the surgery. And then um, they're not moving as much as they normally do. And sometimes they don't drink enough liquids. And that all can sum up to being constipated. So just those um, laxative medications can help. And I always ask them to drink lots of water and lots of fluids and, and tea as well in the post-op period, and that will help as well. Do you actually recommend having colonics prior to having surgery so that you're clean before you go into surgery? Actually, it's not something that I do on a routine basis, but if someone already has a story of constipation, that's a, a great idea to do, yeah. Okay. How would you say is a normal length of recovery? I would say, in general, maybe two weeks uh, for the patient have for their, themselves, depending on, on the size of the surgery, one like a tummy tuck and liposuction. Two weeks, she'll be back practically to normal life. Um, not working out w w to be able to go to the gym, that would take like maybe 30 days and then start slowly, maybe with a treadmill, something like that, cardio first, and then gradually going back to normality. So besides basically the gym, is there anything else you should be avoiding after surgery? I would say I ask patients usually to avoid um, driving for maybe a week, 10 days, depending on the procedure. Um, avoid, if it's a breast surgery, avoid lifting their arms above the, the shoulder level. And also avoid getting something, you know, too heavy. Maybe if they have still young kids, not carrying them 
but it's really straightforward and it's a very quick recovery anyways. Okay. There's been a lot in the paper recently about deaths after having butt lifts. What's your feeling about this? I know because you're, you're doing them with us and we have amazing results with you. But what is your actual feeling about these surgeries which aren't going according to plan, people yeah. dying? Actually, nowadays is the, let's say, the most dangerous procedure. But why? Because, first of all, in many parts of the world, it has been done by doctors, sometimes not even surgeons. They're not trained in plastic surgery. That's one big reason. It's not as simple as it looks like to remove fat from one area and just place it in the buttocks. The second big reason is a lot of surgeons, um, they try to put the fat under the muscle or inside the muscle. And inside the muscle, we have very large veins. And if you, by any chance, poke one of those veins and inject fat into the veins, you're going to have a very big problem. There's going to be a fat embolism, and it actually can lead to death. So what I do, I always play safe. I put fat where the fat belongs, which is in the fat layer. And then you have no complications whatsoever. Are you finding today that you're busier and busier with your surgeries? Yeah, definitely. That's the idea, I think. Um, word of mouth is also very important. You know, happy patients tell their friends and family, and, and they just bring other patients along. I think surgery's changed over the years, what people are looking for. What do you think people are looking for now? Yeah, it definitely has changed. When I started with plastic surgery 18 years ago, um, imagine the sizes of the normal implants were around 215, 230. And then there was a time a few years ago when they went up to 350, 400. And nowadays, the tendency is to go a bit lower again, not as low as in the beginning, but lower. Um, another thing that changed a lot is the non-surgical aesthetic procedures, which are Botox fillers, those fillers have improved a lot. The companies are developing new kinds of fillers, not in terms of the product, because the hyaluronic acid is still number one. I think it's the safest one. But they're refining it because you have specific ones nowadays for the lips, specific ones for the, the cheekbones. So that has been changing pretty much as well. We haven't discussed this afternoon much about men, but I know we have a number of men coming in for surgery. They want the eight-pack. Tell us a bit about yeah, the eight-packs. So packs. this week, um, only this week, two men um, for surgery. One was for eyelids and a brow lift. And tomorrow, actually, we have a, a liposuction and liposculpture in a, in a man. Um, that's what you said. They they come in usually for to remove localized fat from different areas. And men, it's usually on the chest area. On the, the abdomen, where they really want the, 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 you know, the six-pack, the eight-pack, as you mentioned, and sometimes in the lower flanks, they have very good results, definitely, because men usually have a tendency to have thicker skin than women, especially, you know, women who already had children. Sometimes the skin is not as good quality because for a good result in liposuction, we depend on a good quality skin. So men usually have that, and we've been having great results. Okay. And are you seeing a lot of men with gynomasty? So when men look like they've got breasts? Yes. Um, there are two cases. Um, one is, is called a pseudo-gynecomastia. That's when patients actually don't have an enlargement of the breast gland. They only have fat 
that looks like they have a gland, but they do not. So that's something that I have to check in the consultation and feel if they have the, the gland or not. If they do have the gland, we have to do a small incision and remove the excess gland and also do liposuction and with excellent results again. Are you noticing more men coming through now for surgery? Yeah, yeah. We have been seeing more men. Um, men are also, you know, being vain, and, and I think it's, it's right. You know, everybody wants to look good and look younger and, and feel good, most of all. So a lot of our, our female patients are bringing their husbands and, and boyfriends in for surgery as well. Okay. Something I've been meaning to ask you, is there a certain age where you don't want to perform surgery? Actually, more important than the age is the, the patient's health. So we can operate on a, a patient who's 80 years old, no problem at all, as long as she's healthy, you know. So we are, always order some pre-op exams, um, sometimes have them go through their GPs. If they have no health issues, they're, they're ready for surgery. Um, so it's safer to operate someone that's, that's older but healthy than someone that's maybe 50 but uh, diabetic and they don't take care of their blood pressure. So age actually is not a limit. So prior to doing surgery, what does a patient have to go through? Bloods? Yeah, bloods and ECG, um, sometimes a mammogram if it's a breast surgery, depending on their age or not. And obviously the consultation with myself and just so we understand each other and, and you know, get all the details straight before we, we go through surgery. Okay. Do you ever say no to a patient? Yes, I do. I do. When I see that patients are either have unrealistic expectations or if a patient, for example, was operated by another surgeon and Actually, I don't think anything is that wrong, but they're talking bad about the other surgeon. That's, you know, raises red lights. And, and so sometimes I think it's better not to go forward than to operate a patient that could potentially become a problem. But I have seen you do amazing corrective surgery. Yes, that's true. That's true. I always, the, the number one intention is to help the patient, even if, as you mentioned, if they have a problem from like a previous liposuction where I see a lot of problems. If I think that I can actually help them, definitely I'll go through it. It's not that patients who have had work done, I won't touch them. That's not true. But I have to be, you know, very honest with the patient before surgery. You're listening to The Beauty Biz with Esther Fieldgrass. So, Christopher, I've got a couple of questions here from people that have written in. Sure. So let me just start with the first one from Sam, who has asked, I've heard that if you have lipo, the fat comes back in different areas, which can make you look strange. Is that true? No, that's not true, Sam. Um, thank God for that. <laughs> it would look pretty strange. Um, what happens is we remove um, fat, obviously, from, from some areas. As I mentioned previously, if you don't work out and you don't have a healthy lifestyle and eating, fat will simply go back in that same area as well. It's not that if you remove fat from your tummy, um, suddenly you're going to have fat in your arms or something like that. And that, that's a myth. Okay. And then we have one from Amari who asks, I'm too stone overweight. Will I have to have uh, lose weight before I have lipo? Um, yeah, too stone, I think it's a lot. It's not that you have to lose all of that weight before surgery. I would say if you're 
in the range of 10% overweight. Usually it's not necessary to lose weight before surgery. So especially if you want fat transfer to other areas, if you lose all your fat, we won't have enough fat to put, for example, in the buttocks. So yeah, if you're too much overweight, you should lose weight, but not all of the weight that you have to lose because with surgery, you'll lose some of the, the rest of the weight anyways. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to put a question in here. After you've had surgery and, and you have been larger and now you're taking out the fat, what about the skin? Are they going to have a lot of loose skin? Yeah, it depends on each case. That's why I have to actually examine the patients and see the quality of their skin. Um, if they have stretch marks, that's a sign that their skin will not retract enough. So we'll have to, aside from the liposuction, remove skin. So it depends on each case. Some people have thicker skin than others, and that's good for liposuction. So each case has to be individually um, evaluated. Okay. And the last question here is from Aaron. And we kind of discussed this already. It says, can lipo give me a six-pack? Now, I know you can create a six-pack or an eight-pack when you're doing the vasolipo. Yes. But can you do this on everyone? Does it have to be a certain kind of male individual? And some women I know have been asking me about this recently. Okay. It's important that patients have, you know, the muscles underneath the fat because actually it's not that we're sculpting the muscles out of fat. What we're doing is enhancing the lines that the person already may have. For example, overweight patients sometimes are not the ideal candidate for that type of surgery, like the high definition. First of all, they have to have the muscle underneath and good quality skin as well, so, so it retracts well and the results are, are visible. Are you finding a lot of ladies are actually asking for this? I know quite a few men come in and want this done. They will want to look like David Beckham or whatever, which is <laughs> <laughs> great. But what about ladies? Yeah, in ladies, we tend not to to sculpt the whole six-packs. It will look strange. I think um, there are certain characteristics that are important to maintain to differentiate women from men. In women, we we can draw that the line of the obliques, you know, those lines on the lateral part of the abdomen, that looks very, very nice and very sexy. But if we actually sculpt the whole six-pack on a lady, it, it doesn't look that feminine. And in my opinion, it doesn't look that good. I know with Dr. Johnson, when he's in, you know, the women actually adore him. They all come back for more. So <laughs> there's not a lot I can say to that, but thank you. <laughs> I think we, we should quickly talk about the manual lymphatic drainage, which <gasps> is something very, very important, you know, especially for patients who have liposuction and liposculpture done. Oh, it's something that patients have to go in um, back to EF Medispa for, for the treatment. We have excellent therapists who, who take care of all the post-op care. And it's actually like a very smooth massage that's done. I like patients to, to begin the following day after surgery. And that way I feel that they, they don't have so much of an edema. And it's something that patients love because afterwards they, they actually feel much better than, than before. And I forgot to ask you about the garments people have to wear and how long they have to wear them for. Yeah, the garments are also very important. Um, as soon as surgery is done, um, the nurses at the, at the hospital, they put on the garments. The garments usually use it for one month straight, only taking it off to shower. And the second month, they can either sleep with it and during the day they, they spend without the garment 
or they use it during the day and sleep without, so it's their choice. And these are specialized compression garments? Yes, they are, and especially for, for the liposculpture where we add fat to the buttocks. There's a special garment which in the buttock area doesn't compress as much, so we have that round and nice result. Was this something that actually stemmed from Brazil? Yeah, probably. You know, Brazil is like plastic surgery capital of the world, maybe, especially for body work. So it could have come from there. And here's definitely the body man. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today, Christopher. You're welcome. That's all for this episode of The Beauty Biz. If you've enjoyed our series so far, please rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe if you haven't done already. Please subscribe. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. The Beauty Biz with Esther Fieldcross. Follow EF Medispa on Instagram. And to find out more about us, go to efmedispa.com. Produced by The Podcast Company.